Hello, and welcome to Sutra Side Talk. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Seelig, who is getting over a cold or something, so if I'm coughing throughout the episode, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it is episode 18. Today is April 30th. We're recording after a very uh, roller coaster, long, a very long roller coaster of an episode called The Long Night, which is the third episode of Game of Thrones. We'll uh, be doing it once again a little bit different. Uh, we were not actually going to talk about any news this week because we don't have too much time, but also we wanted to talk honestly a lot more just about Game of Thrones. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about just like what we've been playing and watching besides that, but we'll save Game of Thrones for last. It's more of like, we'll do the appetizer and then the entree. So it'll be very just GOT heavy, if anything. But yeah, yeah. I mean, after all, we got to catch up on like three whole episodes, kind of. Yeah, and honest, it's so weird because part of me is just like, dude, we do we even bother talking about the first two and just go straight to the third one, or uh, do we just like? It's. I mean, I, mean, I can do point. it. It's not too hard to just kind of think back at everything. Honestly, I can't remember anything that happened in the last for like the first two episodes. Really, it was all just build up to the third one. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot of the interactions. Um. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, uh, but we'll, yeah. we'll start off with just kind of what we've been playing recently. Uh, we'll, we'll start with what you've been playing, and then we'll talk about Destiny and then what I've been playing. Yeah, so, I don't know, I've been going through midterms, so I, don't, I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to play a, a bunch of stuff, although I kind of want to get it back into um, uh, Red Dead Redemption, just because I probably should finish that at some point one of your many unfinished games yeah there's there's always too much to do but you could just not play the new ones and just stick with the old ones i'm not even i mean that's fair but i'm not even talking games i'm just talking like like life shit gets in the way oh dude welcome to my life yeah (laughs) hell even this even this show takes away time from everything else too i mean how short it is I could be wrong, it was a little while since Red Dead came out, but I think it came out around the time that I was going into some finals week or something, so I kind of stopped playing to start studying, and then I just didn't pick it up, pick it up again during, like, spring break. Oh, right, yeah, because, like, oh, wait, no, shit, was that winter break? Ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. But basically, other than Destiny, I've, I started playing Celeste, which is interesting like i haven't gotten too far into it i've I've heard a lot of people say that the story gets like really deep and emotional i haven't gotten that far i guess because it hasn't like it's got some weird shit going on that i can i can tell that there's like a deeper undertone that that that's gonna delve into later but currently the main thing that i've been really impressed by is just like the really fun platforming like, it's really challenging. And like, I'm trying to not... Uh, what's the word? Use any of the the mechanics where you can just, like, make it easier for yourself. Because they, they do do a good job of that, about making it so that you could apparently, like, slow down how fast it goes and all that stuff. So you could you could tweak it so that you can make it a little bit easier for yourself. But I, I actually like a challenge, so I'm trying to just get through it. And I'm liking it so far. And then I guess we can just talk about Destiny because that's the only other thing that I, I've honestly played a lot more Destiny than I have Celeste at this point. Okay. Well, 
especially over the last couple of weeks, because Iron Banner is a thing, and Re- and the Revelry is a thing, and we've been doing a shit ton of both of those. Yeah, for the last two weeks, we finally, it's been, what was it, like mid-January was the last time we played Destiny, I think? So we fi- it's been like a three-month break, I'd say, we took, and we're finally back into it, and we did a lot of unfinished business i would say it was like first things first yeah. get whisper of the worm that was like the very first oh god yeah, thing to take that. care of that and no that and thunderlord were the very first two things we were like all right thunderlord's back uh they brought it back from uh it was a quest and festival of the lost it was uh avenging the cryptarch from the reef uh from the first game i think it was cryptarch I think his name was uh, Ives, and he, he was, like, murdered, so we avenge him. We end up getting, like, the schematics for the Thunderlord, which was really cool. And, I like, we both had missed that event during Festival of the Lost, so, like, we finally got to get back to it and actually finish it up this time. I was like, oh, okay, get these done first. Anything limited time, just get it done. Then Whisper of the Word was taken out, and then uh, that was... That was all right. We want to talk about that for a second because that was not yeah. what I expected, and it's that still not. not we're not even done. That was not fun. <laughs> it is not fun whatsoever. It's so just like it's so hard, and it's like for for many reasons. There, there's never enough time. It seems there's like the the path to get through the level is it was super ambiguous. Like, you literally basically, for a lot of the parts, they basically just hide where you have to go next. So you have to go to a guide to figure out what the fuck you're supposed to do. So, I don't know. Did we even just... finish it the first night? No. Yeah, so we did We did it a couple times, because we had done Thunderlord, and then that night, and then we switched to Whisper, and, you know, you go through that mission where you have to, it's, it's timed. It's a lot of platforming, and at the end, very, very powerful ads. So, it took a while, and by the time we are it's like, oh, we're almost done with the platforming, and then, like, you get to the actual, like, wall where you have to platform, and that takes forever, and by the time you get there, you're like, oh, there's, like, two, three minutes left, we made it just in time. All of a sudden, all these ads are there, and it's like, oh, this is actually, we're supposed to be done with that in the first, like, six minutes, not all 20 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. that is so terrible. Like, it was just like, oh, we gotta get a lot better. And luckily, we ended up getting a, was it the, we get, we finished it together the first time, I think, right? When we got Whisper? Yeah. Yeah, so, I because I remember I switched to my, I switched to the Hunter Boots, uh, I think it was Stompy. And, yeah, I got my jumping up, and I was able to traverse it. The only annoying part was it makes your jumping accuracy more off. Like, you can jump higher and farther, but it's just not as accurate. You're a little more slippery. So, I'd get the distance, but then just one little screw-up with my footing, and it'd just be over, and you have to start again. But eventually, honestly, by the end of it, we were pros at the, the platforming, but... Getting through the ads took forever. We did it, and we got the whisper, and we're like, "Cool, we never have to do this again." Like it was, it was yeah. very accomplishing. And then we look, and I, I read it, and I'm like, "The catalyst is to go back on a harder difficulty. It's basically on heroic difficulty. Do it again." And yeah, I'm just like, like, "Holy shit!" So we get a third guy in from uh, the app, 
and he helps us but oh my god that the worst part he didn't have a mic it was just like yo dude i hope you can hear us we just kept hearing him die every once in a oh, while oh he died so, yeah you just it's like he's far behind you just hear like the guardians down you're like where the fuck is he <laughs> <laughs> eventually though we got it we got the catalyst and it was like it we i think we got it first try with him or no second try it was like second try or something no i think it was first try uh... i want to say it was first try can't remember I, th- I think we might have had to do it on the second try okay yeah it was it was either first or second try for sure though and we finish it and you just see the catalyst unlock and you're like oh hell yeah we did it we're done now it's over and then i read the catalyst and it's like oh you have to do it x amount of time x amount of times it's not even saying do it one more time it sounds like you have to come back every week to like bring up your percentage of some or something to do it and i'm just like Oh my god, why would sh- who did who like, did this? Who made this fucking thing? <laughs> I want to say that like whoever was designing that the mission at Bungie, I'm I'm sure it wasn't just one guy, it was like a team, but whoever was trying to figure out the objectives was like, "Hey, people are going to people are going to love this. It's a reference to, you know, a quest that was from Destiny 1." People are going to love this, and they're going to want to do it over and over again, right? No. <laughs> Sorry. Dude, once was more than enough. And it's not It's not bad. It's And I mean, honestly, it's the most interesting exotic quest I've had, because there's like certain ones, at least like uh, some of the legendary quest steps are really, really bad. There's a specific one I've been doing forever now. It's called the the point i'm at and it's one of the crucible ones shacks give you like you get all these uh that when you get the exotic quest steps there's also usually seasonally the like zavala the drifter and shacks will give you uh legendary quest steps will we'll get you specific legendary weapons that are already like master worked and everything and they're usually hard to come by and one of shacks is uh i forget what it's called i think it's the mountaintop and it's like the grenade launcher the mountaintop you get to the third wave portion and it's like oh what do you have to do you have to do um i think it was in pursuit of honor or i forget what it was called but basically you have to get x amount of i think it's like 500 or 250 like something crazy grenade launcher kills and then you have to get grenade launcher multi-kills and then you have to get a medal that you can only get by killing three guardians with grenade launchers in one life without dying in Crucible. So this is all in Crucible. And you'll get a higher percentage, usually like double or something, if you do it in competitive. Otherwise, you can do it in like quick play. And it's like you get that medal, it's 1%. You have to get like, you have to basically do it like 100 times. Like 100, uh, three kills in one life to do it. Or like maybe 25 to 30 in competitive or something like that. But it's so grindy that it just, it's, that's probably the worst thing so far. Like, that's still, Whisper at least was achievable. This is like, I'm kind of doing it, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm kind of giving, it's the one thing that's just like on my inventory of different quests. It's like, this one is just going to be the, either I'm never going to do it, or it's just going to take forever and ever and ever. And if I focus on just that. I would just become a husk because of how terrible it is. 
Uh, like that's yeah. that's one thing I want to say about Destiny is that like you it could I mean we've said it before it could literally be the one game you play because there's just so much takes a long time to do. So I mean, even with just one of those crucible uh, uh, quests that you're doing takes like fucking forever just because of how many deaths you or kills you have to do. Yeah, with and like, it's a funny specific thing. We actually felt, because we've fallen behind, it's, there's a, a lot for us to do, whereas other players that have been more consistent now have nothing to do or something like that. Like, their, their shit can get yeah, done that quickly. Yeah, that is kind of funny. It's almost like, I honestly feel like the goal for us, or at least for me personally, is to get everything done to the point where you just kind of have certain weekly things you have to do, or the seasonal stuff, but apart from that, like, you're, you're good to go, you're done. Like, you already did enough of the raid, you got all the gear, uh, everything you really wanted to do. And I could just kind of put it down until I need to play it again. It's like, it's still going to be that consistent game that's there, but the goal is to get to a point where I can play it less often. Like, I'm still not, I've kept my two other, like, characters retired, like I'm done with my World on Titan for the time being, until there's some crazy boost I can get, which I know you can do probably with the, the, um, what do you call it, the power bounties, the power surge bounties. But even oh, yeah. then, actually, my Titan isn't even high enough to unlock that, because you have to be level 50. <laughs> so, it's just, like, just even trying to think about those two other characters with the giant backlog I got, plus my Hunter still. It's just, like, there's no there's no point, no way. Don't even think about them or anything else like that. Or the fact, like, oh, I have a free copy on PC for Destiny 2, and I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to try it on PC. Nope, that's another no way, not going to do it. At least for a long time, I'm good. Like, no thanks. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, we've been getting that done. I think we both got Chaperone, right? Finally, as well. Yeah, we both got Chaperone. That was last night. Uh, Kate's hand cannon. You got it? Spades? Oh, wait. I didn't oh, get no. it. God damn it. I forgot. I still need to do... I. Yeah, I we're still like... we're working on... I think what we still have is... Right now, we got Ace of Spades to do. We have... Malfeasance, and we have another uh, exotic that I'm actually not sure what it is yet. I'm curious because yeah, I, 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 it could be anything from like the last word to thorn or something. I have no idea what what which uh, thing it is. I haven't really been paying attention. Um, and at this point, I've got. I think I was what I thought I had done. Like I, I haven't I haven't gotten Cade's hand cannon yet. I've just like done a couple more steps and it just always seems to be one more step yeah and i've been focusing so much on like a legendary quest up for strikes that i haven't even been doing his 250 hand cannon kills in those so i'm still in that area i'm like ah it's fine yeah i chose to do the kate's hand cannon thing so that's why i'm farther along on that one and you're farther along on the legendary quests oh yeah 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 i've actually knocked out a couple of them which has been very it's weird how the legendary quests are more satisfying to get out of than the exotic ones, just because the exotic ones are actually ironically easier. Like, they're more enjoyable, where it's, yeah. like, that short satisfaction, then you have the weapon, and you're like, cool. Whereas the legendary one, it's more of, like, oh, god, it's finally done, I can get this thing out of my inventory and out of it, because I don't want to abandon it. And it's just yeah. that weird, stupid sense of pride of just, like, completion for that port. Um, yeah, and then Revelry itself has actually been... I want to say that's probably the most fun I've had in the the, the forest so far. It's been really fun, yeah. Like, I, I like Festival of the Lost mainly because I like the Reaper Knight. 
because that thing was ridiculous, and I look forward to playing that thing again next year, just because it's that that stupid thing is terribly. I, I actually what the only complaint about that thing is I want to actually kill it. I want to see if there's a way to kill that thing, but I, I feel yeah. like they can. I I think they've learned more from the revelry now that when Festival of the Lost comes back next year, or I guess this year, there'll be more improvements to it that are similar to that of the revelry. Yeah, and then uh, the armor is pretty cool. I the the boosts you get from the tonic, like the grenades, the melee, the oh my super. It's been so fun. Everyone chooses grenades, and grenades are great when you're doing like the forest, when you're doing strikes, when you're doing gambit. There's just one place where I just despise it greatly, and I think you do too. And that's in the crucible, where all of a sudden guardians are just spot like they're just spamming grenades, and you're just there's no way to really if you don't want to use them, you're kind of shit out of luck unless you're really focused, and you get like there's some there were actually okay there's a couple matches where it wasn't that bad, people were still using okay no people were using Jotun a lot so then you just get killed by Jotun instead so it's either yeah, one that's, that's really insta kill of something spamming or one insta kill of something that's just like i killed you that's it bye and you're like okay i guess this thing just is invincible since you can just have that as a primary you don't even need heavy ammo for that i don't think so yeah it was, uh, it was pretty I'm crazy not sure if it's a primary or a secondary Either way, it's you don't need the heavy ammo for it because they no, seem yeah, to. Yeah, it's not heavy for sure. Yeah. I I did notice. I mean, you're right that like a majority of pe- uh, people were doing grenades. Excuse me, hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. So a lot oh, of people. Oh god, he's coughing do- up blood. Everyone, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm like almost out, like done with this cough. It's just like every once in a while. Anyway, like most people were doing grenades. But, and you could literally be just, like, one person holding down an entire corridor with just, like, the right kind of grenade. It's ridiculous. But some hunters, I noticed, were using the class ability boost and just, like, cloaking all the time. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they were using the, uh, it was for the Night Stalker subclass, the, uh... I forget what they're called. I haven't even unlocked that one. Like, we haven't even done the Dreaming City portion of, like, the Oracle engine stuff, so we have only one of the Forsaken subclasses unlocked of the three. So I actually don't have that one, but I think it was, like, something... It was basically the Night Stalker Blades. And so, yeah, that one just... They had perpetual cloaking, and they'd sneak up with, uh... I forget which shotgun was it. It was, like, probably Dust Rock Blues or something. And just keep coming at me. Or and you just everyone. It was I was able to get him a good amount of times, but there was just points where it wasn't even the fact that he was killing me. He was wasting my time because he kept jumping around and running away. So I'm just yeah. like dealing like with this get, dude maneuvering all like over the one, place. He'd get down to like one shot left and just like dodge, dodge, dodge his way out of the, out of there. Yeah. But yeah, you want to know something funny? Last what? night after you signed off, I was like two. Uh, boxes f- of like um, Iron Banner gear away from getting that triumph for getting like 15 boxes in the season so I was like that's not that many tokens to get an Iron Banner if I just win a bunch then I could be done real quick right? I was very wrong it, I 
Dude, I, I lost so many matches. I don't even know what was going on. It seemed like because I think today was the last day of Iron Banner. Yesterday. Like today's Tuesday, so it was reset. Yeah. So that that was why I was like I was also like I only have like till the end of tonight to finish this anyway. So and I think I could do it and I ended up doing it but it took like two hours. Because I kept getting into teams that either people were just, like, not paying attention to the zones and letting the other team take them over and over again, or what, I don't know, it was just frustrating. But I swear to God, that guy that kept, like, cloaking and jumping around, I got paired with him again. Because I, re- I recognized the name, although I forget what it is now, but I was just like, this guy again. <laughs> I think it's just because it was, like, the end of Iron Banner... So the only people still playing it are the people that just like really love Iron Banner, or whatever. Yeah, so, and it it is really fun. Like it's great. It fun. is, but when you get into like bad teams that aren't paying attention or are get put up against like a team with one really really good guy. This is why we really, just really we need to have guy. a clan. We just need to get a clan. Like, well, we do have a clan, but we need like be active in it. Yeah, I, that's why I really want to get into the fire team community, fire team chat community. Yeah, that would yeah, be a good. Yeah, that would be they'd be pretty good. But yeah, it was it was overall it was a good time. Um I'm probably not going to play it for a good 6 7 days maybe just because I'll be in Dallas. So I want to keep going with it though, of course. Again, yeah. now that we're like back onto it and it's like, "Oh, well now we know what we should be doing right now anyway." I'm still going to try to keep balancing that with like offline games and everything else because right now this will probably be my only online game just because division two i got to a good point where there's still a lot to do i haven't even gotten to like the end the end game stuff honestly but i just kind of wanted to come back to this first so i can always switch back and forth between those and then uh, i actually am playing two other games right now the, the this is the better part i've been playing two of my oldest console backlog games Assassin's Creed Syndicate for the PS4, and then Sunset Overdrive for the Xbox One. And some uh, Assassin's Creed, so far, like, I think I talked about it last time. I think you mentioned it. Yeah, I, so I'm not going to go into it more, just not to waste anyone's time, and I know I didn't, We I said we weren't going to, like, just mention things to mention it, but I do think I could probably get that done in the next... I want to say before, for sure, before May's over, I think I can finish it and just get it all the 100% stuff out of the way. Not like everything, like trophy, platinum it and everything, but just kind of get the missions all done and maybe some of the collectibles, depending on if they're worth it or not. I just want to get like all the side stuff through because so far the characters are actually pretty interesting and I think it's going to be one of the shorter games of the 2015 backlog stuff I got, ironically. And then uh, Sunset Overdrive. This is probably actually the oldest console game because this came out a year before that. And it's the oldest Insomniac game I have to play still. So this game, oh my god. I, I, I picked a perfect time because summer's about to start. This game just feels like summer. Like you have orange orange drink. Drink your orange summer Dude, looking drink and it's like LA and sunny. It just wire. feels like such a, a rocking good time. Yeah. And another thing about it is just, I think, as a Resistance fan, 
it's a weird spiritual successor where you have a lot of the you have the weapons in terms of like weapon uh variety and diversity as well as the I haven't played it yet, but I know there's like a chaos squad in it. It's like the, it's like a large amount of co-op character. Oh, it's large, yeah. yeah. So I know that's probably similar to Resistance 2's uh, superhuman co-op mode. Remember that? Um, no, I, I do remember the mode, but it's it's honestly more like a Gears of War standard horde mode. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the co-op one, it, it felt like um, horde mode with the amount of enemies you had. It just was horde mode with objectives, if anything. Yeah, this one's more like tower defense. Okay. Like, if you, ha- I, it's been a while since I played it, but it's, I'm pretty sure it starts off with a, a short period of time where you get to, like, build defenses. Okay. And then zombies just, like, flood, flood the in, area, although and you have to, like take care of the ones that your defenses don't yeah or you know just take care of them and or and like not have to repair your defenses yeah okay so yeah i'll probably be doing that last because i'm like okay this game i'm probably just gonna 100 percent easy no problem i'm playing this at like on lunches at work so i'm like get that out of the way i could take my time with it really and i i do my character it has a he's got a blue beard he's got like weird like like fire cat eyes i can't even describe it and i have a luchador mask and i'm just like oh yes this is my best representation you could ever get and he i i noticed some of the weapons are actually it feels like they're they retooled a lot of the resistance weapons because there was a, a weapon called um i think it was either the the it was a it was kind of like a, a it shoots it shoots uh saws like the circular saws. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, they brought it back in Sunset Overdrive as a weapon that shoots vinyls. Yeah. And I noticed it because also even the sound. I'm like, oh, this is like the exact same weapon. They just kind of turned it into a vinyl. <laughs> they just reskinned it to vinyls. <laughs> Which I mean, obviously there's more work put into it, but you can see where it came from. Like they're like, that was a really cool weapon. We should bring it back for something else too. And it, it takes a lot of the best parts of Resistance. Not maybe not in terms of like the story, the plot, and everything else. Obviously, this is this is like a satire on storylines for games, if anything, and movies uh, and everything else. There's a there's a ton of um, fourth wall breaking. Yeah, they they, they just it, joke about everything. Even like the way you come back to life is everything from Back to the Future, oh, Dracula's shit. Coffin, uh, I Star Trek. About that. Yeah, the, like uh, even they, come they out got, of the weird egg. There's like so many different things. They got really creative with the respawn thing, and like, I don't remember if I ever came across a repeat. Like, I'm sure it does repeat eventually. Oh yeah, no, it does. Like, it does. But it, it, uh, there's just so many that it's so funny. Like you're constantly, even like when you die, you just like laugh at it. Yeah. And yeah, because the whole thing—it's like you, the the fun part about this game is you don't—you're not supposed to take anything seriously. Like, I even sweat, like there was a part where this uh, old guy you find in the beginning, you're like, "Oh, this is my new, I guess, guy that's like my father figure," and then he dies, and it's like, "Oh God, how tragic!" And it's like, it's just kind of funny, the way it all—it's it, just they—they're very everything's very self-aware, like to the point where I think to hit your your character. 
and another character talking and this other guy's talking to them and then they can uh, this the girl you're talking to also is like uh there are three characters like the, the nerdy guy this ninja girl i think and then yourself ninja girl's like one thing I don't understand is, wait, how is he talking to us? We're not holding phones. <laughs> and they're just kind of like, uh, fuck it, dude, don't worry about it. <laughs> just like also the narrator, it's like, why is there a voice in the sky talking to me? <laughs> it's just so, it's, it's the best of Insomniac's humor. Because Insomniac's always had a very kind of like passive vulgar humor that's really, really clever and really just fun and also just plain... They just get plain into it. Like a lot of look at all of the Ratchet and Clank titles. Go in Commando. It's like okay, yeah. I get that. Up your arsenal. Yeah. Like all uh, quest for booty. Uh, crack in time. Uh, originally, I remember listening to their old podcast. They're like, yeah, I was originally going to we wanted to do, do uh, Ratchet and Clank clock blockers. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, That's the next funny. one will just be Ratchet and Clank. I did your mom, and it was like, oh my god. <laughs> uh and it was it's just such a it's them without uh without barriers where they're just like we don't even have to reference it we don't have to tiptoe around it be subtle because with like resistance you don't have any of that because it's very serious game uh whereas this it's just like yo fuck it let's just go crazy and say whatever the hell you want to say and it's just so it's so fucking good like i'm i'm just gonna be having a great time with it until I finish it. Uh, and then I... Yeah, that's that's about it. Um, I haven't bought Days Gone yet. I still have to pick it up. I've heard yeah, things, but... Uh, once I finish Assassin's Creed Syndicate, I think I will play Days Gone after that. And then get back to the backlog. Because, dude, I don't think I'm at... I don't think I'm buying any other games, honestly, until... September or something. So this summer I can actually, hopefully utilize that time to get through i think i could possibly do it get through mad max get through witcher get through metal gear solid and godzilla and the fallout dlc because also dude this is the best part at work my friend's giving me for like i think it was like 65 bucks his old ps4 so i'm gonna put it in our break room at work so once i finish sunset overdrive i was just gonna play like random xbox games or something but i'm like wait, all my digital PS4 backlog games and PS Plus games I'm wanting to play, I could knock those out at work. So like Mad Max and Injustice and uh, just everything else, Far Cry 4, whatever, I could just knock them all out and I'm just like, holy shit. I can actually make a bigger dent than I ever could have before because I have like extra little, like one hour a day maybe, but that's like five hours a week. That'll add up pretty fast. That'll get me like, I'd say two to three games a month, I think. That's two to, more, two to three more games than I would have been able to do before, which is pretty good. But okay, enough of that. On to what we've been watching. Uh, did you want to start with that one? Besides, of course, what we know we're going to talk about at the end. Yeah, so I forgot to mention last week, or last episode, that I had watched the new season of Arrested Development. And, uh, it's like... Is it's it better than the previous one? That was kind of just weird. Um, I don't know. Like I'm, I feel like I'm one of. The, I shouldn't say one of the few people, but like I'm one of the people that actually like enjoyed the last season. Like I thought it was funny. I, I get how people's complaints were, like it was edited in such a way where instead of just having like the usual format for the show, they dedicated each episode to a different. 
character. So I thought that that was interesting because it made it so that you there'd be like something that would happen in one episode and it wouldn't make sense until you saw the other side of that from another character's perspective in another episode. So, but I could see how that that works for a episode of or for a season of a show that is meant to be binged on Netflix. But I can understand how that also doesn't really give it a good normal show. Um, what's the word? Flow? I don't know. Okay. Like, so the second the the last season was made to be a much more like the original series, where it was it wasn't like each episode was dedicated to a different character. It was all just like episodes of the show yeah so it felt a lot more it honestly just felt like more arrested development which isn't necessarily bad no but i guess like it's the thing i feel where it's like i forgot that that new season came out just because i guess for me it felt it feels like it aged out yeah i I don't know i see what you mean i like i honestly it took me a while to watch it too because I also like forgot that it was a thing and I just like ran out of stuff I wanted to watch and I it was on my Netflix recommended and I was like oh yeah I can't believe you ran out of stuff how is that possible? Well, that's that's I fair. I like I kind of <laughs> it's not so much that I ran out of like everything to watch. It was more just like I didn't. I was in one of those moods where I didn't know what I wanted to watch, uh, so I, I was gotcha. just like going through Netflix for like an idea in Netflix, and that was there, and it was like oh right yeah I'll gi- I'll give that a shot. And it's really funny. Like, I really enjoy the show, but I don't really, like, it's been a little while, and I don't remember a whole hell of a lot that happened, so it clearly wasn't very that memorable. It just was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, I don't know, um, there were some revelations at, like, the end of the season that I was just like, I don't know if I like the direction they took that in because that took it to like a weird place like I don't know if I want to get into spoilers because like do you care um not I'm I probably honestly forget to be honest I just yeah yeah, I don't care really honestly so like I guess like we've mentioned it before in in our episodes like we kind of get into spoilery stuff if we've if it's like been a while and honestly, this episode, this season of the show has been out for, like, a while. I don't know. I don't, I don't know think anyone... anyone's going to care. Yeah, okay. So what weirded me out was that there was a storyline throughout the season of... Well, first off, they were trying to solve the thing from the last season of who killed Lucille 2. Or Lucille Alstero. Oh yeah, there are two Lucille. Dude, that's I forgot a lot of shit then. Yeah, I don't really. That's fine. Say whatever. (laughs) I forgot. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't care that much. (laughs) So that was like a huge thing in the season before this one was, uh, for various reasons, the Bluth family had issues with Lucille Ostero, and then she went missing, and they're like Buster ended up getting thrown in jail 
for suspected murder of Lucille too. Oh yeah, okay. Because yeah. he was like the last person to have been seen with her or something like that. And so for this season, they were trying to exonerate Buster the whole time. And there were some really funny things like uh, they asked their lawyer Barry, like, "Hey, who if if you were accused of being uh, uh, guilty of something, who would you get? Who were who would be the lawyers that you, a lawyer, would get to defend yourself in a guilty trial?" And so he's like, oh, well, I would recommend literally a team of people called the Guilty Guys that just their whole thing is they defend people that are – that people think are guilty or whatever. And then it ended up being a whole joke about like, oh, no, they only defend people if they are pleading guilty uh. because they are – like their specialty isn't trying to disprove that you – did the crime it's trying to one prove that you did do the crime <laughs> and that once they prove that you have done the crime argue for the most lenient of uh uh punishments so <laughs> so weird yeah it was really weird but like a really funny payoff in in the court where they're like they spent like an absurd amount of money on this legal team that's like supposed to be the best legal team and they immediately are like your honor we we plead our client guilty and the whole blue family's like wait what Barry what the hell and then he, he explains the whole thing he's like wait I thought you want I thought Buster is guilty that's why you're doing this otherwise I wouldn't have recommended these guys so there are funny moments but basically they they eventually do get Buster acquitted of murdering Lucille too. I forget how, but basically it becomes this thing where Buster did actually murder her at the end because they linked it back to when he was a child. He apparently murdered their grandmother. Like, that's where this season goes, where... What? Like, okay. So, there was, like, a few flashbacks to when they were in, like, the beach house or whatever, and apparently, at some point... Oh, also, apparently, Lindsay is... Oh, so you don't have to, you don't have to summarize, you don't have to, like, go through it as, like, yeah, walk yeah, I'm not I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to get through the whole thing, but like basically Lindsay we know was adopted. That was from the original series. Apparently, she is actually also their mother's sister. So, she's actually like Michael and Job's like aunt, which is weird. Uh and apparently but like Buster overheard their grandmother saying, I want my child back. So she was going to take Lindsay. Buster apparently thought that he was the child they were talking about. And instead of wanting to leave Lucille, he decided to push grandma down the stairs and like accidentally killed her. And then apparently that's somehow how he learned how to push Lucille Ostero down the stair cars and that's how he killed her. 
And it, it, was, it was this really weird thing where I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Where, like, Buster is a, like, two-time murderer now. Was there actual humor around it, though? There was, but it's still, like... Because it's like you're saying this, and and you're saying murder, but I'm just imagining Arrested Development music around it, so it just seems like something comically ragtime, if anything. Uh, I mean, you have to... It's fine, but I I, I got you, I got you. It's weird. So, it's like, that's what I mean about this season, is, like, it has its really funny moments, but then it gets, like, dark weird. And I don't know if I like it. It's like they're laughing and then they do like a weird sick stare at you. They're like, Haha, uh, and then they go back to laughing again. You're just kind of like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, it's dude? like, what I don't know you? how to feel here now. Okay. Basically. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and then one other thing. I don't know. I like to watch random documentaries. And Never noticed one... that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and uh, Netflix recommended one to me called The Grass is Greener. That is about basically the history of marijuana law in the United States. And I don't know, it was interesting. I feel like this quarter here at Davis has been my like get woke quarter because <laughs> I'm taking like U.S. history and my professor has been framing almost every U.S. policy in terms of like race and stuff like that and like race relations. And then all of a sudden I start watching this documentary about marijuana because I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. That's like a legal thing now. Like, I I don't know. I just wanted to see what Netflix's take on the marijuana debate was. And it was basically framed in the terms of, again, race relations of like basically this drug has been demonized almost – specifically to make certain minorities that were known to smoke it in, like, I don't know, like, the 30s and 40s, like, they were just meant to look like villains or whatever. And so they villainized this drug to do that. And I I was just like, huh, that's really fucking weird. Like, how many things in our society are just, like, manipulated by race, like, and racial, like shit i don't know it's weird i don't know how to put it in more eloquent words but yeah it was an interesting documentary basically okay but, yeah <laughs> gotcha <laughs> not, not much more about that i don't know how how long i can really talk about like a marijuana documentary well we don't like i said whenever it's something that doesn't seem like there's much to talk about we don't need to bring it up and stuff you know but okay uh, my only thing, real fast, is Gotham's season, f- or not season, series finale. So, it just finished, they, like, delayed the last two episodes, not delayed, but I guess, like, they, they, they pushed away the last two episodes from, like, the rest of the season, and the ending was, it had sort of, like, I guess, two endings, in a way. Like, the second to last episode was the end of the initial, like, story arc of that season where you have like Bane going around and Miss Al Ghul and uh all this shit's happening they basically I mean like they, they solve the problem they, they save the city and all this stuff and at the end of it is kind of Bruce leaving 
and going, hey, I gotta... Because Zolth... How to describe it really fast? Okay, so Selena gets in trouble, and Bruce can't do anything about it. So he's like... And also with Alfred being fucked up by Bane in the previous episode, kind of like, it was almost like Nightfall, but with Alfred, where Bane's just like, I'm gonna fuck up the butler, and you're like, oh, Jesus! Uh, Bruce is like, I can't let this happen again. I can't be powerless to stop anyone... I can't be powerless to stop anyone from hurting the ones I love. So he gets on a plane at the end, like, they save the city, and he's just like, uh, I'm out, see y'all, he says, like, bye to Gordon, and everyone else, and he just bounces, and he doesn't say bye, he, like, leaves a letter for Selena, and Selena's like, why the fuck did you leave me, and shit, and, uh, Alfred understands and everything, but Bruce is gone at the end of the episode, and then the final episode comes in, and it's a ten years later, and you're like, oh, shit, and it's like, yeah, Bruce Wayne's coming back, he's been gone for ten years, and everyone's talking about it, you have Gordon with the, the actual mustache, he grew the mustache, and then everyone's like, shave the fucking mustache, so he shaves it. It's like, do you really want Bruce to see you with that on your coming back? The whole funny thing about this episode is it's like, it's ten years later, Gordon's commissioner, uh, Bullock's still there, um, there's Barbara, like, you know, there's Barbara in the show, his, like, original love interest and stuff. Oh, right, yeah, Barbara Keene. Yeah. So there's two Barbaras now, because she gave birth, so now there's Barbara Gordon, and then Barbara Keene, and then there's, like, uh, still um, Leslie Tompkins and everything, and then you have everyone else older, so, like, Selena's actually, like, Catwoman now, of, like, being, like, a burglar, doing whatever, and they actually, I don't know if they changed the actress, or they aged her, but, like, you, it feels like, it, everyone seems like they're the same. Because it's, like, that whole thing of, like, only kids look different in 10 years. Adults don't really. So, Selena's, like, you could tell she's older. It's, like, oh, it's been 10 years. And Bruce, you actually never see Bruce the whole episode. Uh, they're, like, where's Bruce? He keeps, like, not showing up to his, like, homecoming and all this other stuff. And Alfred's, like, I'm afraid he can't come in today. And lucius is like is this really how we're gonna do things because like only lucius and alfred know what he's become and like throughout it like there's some shadow stopping a bunch of shit happening or like saving someone or doing something and the crazy the funny thing is immediately after like for almost 10 years riddler's been stuck in arkham and penguin's been stuck in blackgate prison so they both get out and in the previous ish, uh, you see how Penguin gets the monocle and why he gets the monocle. And then he has, like, the hat. He puts on weight in the prison, so he looks more like, <laughs> like, the, like a chubbier Penguin. And he's got, like, the cane and everything. And then you have Riddlers, still Riddler. And the whole, they, like, it seems like they're doing some villainous shit, like, actual bat villains. And it turns out it's just being orchestrated by Joker, who is still Jeremiah Valeska. And it just gets, like, it just gets really good where you see Batman at the very end, but it's, like, Batman, and it's, like, his voice is deeper. You can still kind of see it's the same actor, but it's still, he's, like, bigger, he's deeper voice and everything else. And you have, like, the cat, you have Batman, Catwoman, and everything else, and it just ends actually really well. Like, it just, they, they did a really good job with Joker, and they did a really good job with Batman even though they weren't in it that long, you get both of the characters, and the best part is the series finale is called The Beginning, because you're like, 
oh, it's the beginning of Batman now, like, that this is where it begins, and he's like, I'm never leaving the city again, when he's talking to Selina and everything else. It, it was honestly a really, really good finish. It, it felt like the, the last episode, you kind of get your, I think it was like the, the episode before that, you kind of get like the real endings of the characters, and this is kind of like epilogue, where you're not going to see too much of each of them, which is interesting, but overall, I'd say it was a great time. Uh, Alright, so that's done. I wanted to try to half-rush through that at the same time. But okay, we're... How long is this now? Almost 50 minutes in. We got a lot to talk about. We'll probably not be too long with the first two episodes, I think. Just because we want to honestly really just talk about the third one. So okay, Game of Thrones. Um, Where to begin? I guess uh, let's talk about how we liked the first two episodes. And kind of the way they were, and how short they were compared to the rest of the season that's yeah, coming now. Like it's really weird. I'm having a hard time. Sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Blanket. Yeah, I'm I'm having trouble remembering anything but the third episode at this point. So you might have to like refresh me on a few of the things that right. and like the Arya sex scene definitely stood out to me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So okay, the, I I remember a lot of those last episode or the second to last episode where like, just the first one you don't of... remember a lot okay so it's really just a lot of preparation you get uh really fast uh euron brings the golden company they say hey cersei right. we're here we're gonna fight for you we don't have elephants so cersei isn't pleased about the elephants but whatever yeah. so you got twenty thousand golden company there you still got your own fleet and then cersei with like lannisters and gold cloaks and other bullshit and then uh she's basically bribes brawn with a shit ton of money and everything else saying to kill her brothers if they survive the long night. Right. Like with the crossbow that killed their father. Yeah. Uh, you don't actually get those two interacting in the show because they their their contract is that they can't be in the same scene together or in the same room together. Who? Uh, Bronn and Cersei. Really? Yeah, the actor and actress. Uh, they had a short relationship, I guess, during the show's filming earlier. So it didn't go well at all to the point where basically that's what the contract became. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. If you noticed um, in the episode where all three factions come together in the last season at the end, you know how like uh, they all come in, Braun is like, hey, Podrick, let's go take a drink, go get a drink. That's why. Oh. Yeah. Like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that happens there. On uh, the north, you have like uh, you have Danny and like Sansa and John all like kind of being leaders at the same time, and you can obviously see like Sansa and Danny not too much. Like you get they all arrive to Winterfell and everything else. Arya sees the Hound, Gendry, everyone. Uh, John and Danny fly around, have a romantic time. The dead kill the Umbers. And take the umbers, the last yeah, turn. That was fucking creepy. Yeah, that was also. I was like, "Fuck, dude! I can't believe that's another house down." Like, uh, yeah. By the uh, uh, once we finish talking about the episodes, I'll talk about all the houses that are now uh, wiped out completely. But, uh, yeah, you have like Tormund and uh, Beric meeting up with Dolores Ed at Last Earth, and then they're heading to Winterfell, and. Uh, the interesting thing is they're like, anyone else who's not here yet, or I guess they talk about that in the next episode, but any anyone that wasn't already there was probably already taken if they were north of Winterfell 
most likely, which is interesting because John was like, he told the wildlings to go man the wall in general, like all the castles, if I yeah. remember correctly. So we only see that the Night's Watch from Eastwatch, tried. the survivors from Eastwatch, and then what was left of Castle Black after everything uh, were there. We don't know about the Shadow Tower, which is the third castle that was uh, manned by the Night's Watch, and then the other castles, which I don't, we don't know for sure if they were manned or not or anything, but it's... Well, from what I remember in the book, the, the problem with manning all the castles was there was something like 15 or 20 along the whole wall. Yeah. So they just didn't have the I think it was 19. Yeah, something like that. They well, no, they, they the man them power. in the book, so that's a, that's a different thing. Well, I mean, before they get the wildlings... Oh yeah, no, yeah. The whole thing is, yeah. There's not enough Nights Watch anymore. The 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 Brotherhood is basically depleted and is a very much shadow of its former glory. And so now they only have enough to man three walls and or three castles. And Castle Black isn't even the main one. The main one was so big, hard to maintain that you couldn't even. They had to abandon that one too, which was the Night Fort. Uh, so that all happens. Arya's like. Gendry, make me this weapon. Uh, which I think she did in the first one, I want to say. Uh, you, have, you get a lot of reunions. You have John Sing Bran. You have John Sing Arya. And Arya's like, remember who's, remember who's your family, basically. Because uh, he's like, you're siding with Sansa. And she's like, I'm siding with my family. Remember who your family is. Because uh, he like surrendered the North to... Danny, which everyone's still pissed off about, to the point where the Glovers aren't even coming to their aid. They left and aren't coming to the Long Night, which is still crazy. Now that I think about it, they're still alive, basically, now. Uh, but yeah, so that's everything. For the most part, there's some other things that are here and there. Uh, but I would say the first episode was very much just kind of... It was the... It was more of a reunion episode. Because the whole thing was the first and second episodes were the shortest of the season. They were under an hour each. One was like 54, 50... One was like 54 minutes, I want to say. And one of the other was like 56 or 58 minutes. And The Long Night, the third episode that just came out, that was like an hour 22 or something like that. And the next three episodes aren't going to be as long. But they're not going to be as short as the first two. So all the three next episodes will be over an hour each. Uh, who knows, I forget how much time that is, like, it'll probably be, like, ten minutes more than the previous ones, but they'll still be longer than what we've had before. And, yeah, the first episode is more like a reunion one. Nothing, I would say nothing's bad with these episodes, like, the first two. They're, they get the job done for what they are. Episode one, reunions. Episode two, the calm before the storm, where everything's like, oh shit. Because episode one, you see the, um, you see that the umber has died. Even, like, yeah, the last Lord Umber, the, the young boy, was killed and then, like, left as a message as a message to them. And also became a white. And then they had to set him on fire. And the second episode is, like, the most tense thing. Because Cersei and, like, the whole southern storyline is only in the first episode. The second episode, only the north. Only Winterfell. And you only get just that kind of that fleeting calm where it's just like, oh shit. Oh, and actually I forgot the biggest thing. Oh yeah. So the first episode, Danny thanks Sam for saving Jorah. And then oh, right. Jor yeah. Sam finds out that Danny killed his brother and dad. 
Yeah. And then she's just like, yeah, they wouldn't bow to me. And he's just like, well, why would you? What kind of person are you? So he's like, he runs out to Bran, who's just standing. And, okay, that was the big thing. Bran's just like forever just like hey i'm just waiting around for a friend he just doesn't move he's yeah. just there the whole time and he's just like, like waiting to mad dog jamie yeah so it ends with sam telling john that he's aegon targaryen that he's the heir to the iron throne that he should be the true king of westeros in general of all seven kingdoms and everything else and that the marriage was real, all the stuff, who his dad was, who his mom was. So John gets everything all at once. And the biggest thing to him was the fact that his quote-unquote father, Eddard Stark, who was actually his uncle, had lied to him. But he was also hard, having such a hard time fathoming all of that. But also it made sense after everything, too. And it's just like, what was the one thing that would... Would Eddard Stark really be that... Would lose his honor over, like, sleeping with some woman? No. This makes yeah. 20 times more sense. Uh, and it just all clicks for him, but he's he's also like, oh god, I was fucking my aunt, like you could tell. He's just like, oh, what have I done? Yeah, that's the weird thing, is that, like, that in the books, the Targaryens have, like, a history of, like, inter... Incestual... Yeah, they have, a, they have a history of incest. Like, it's like so, a prideful thing, if any. It's not even, like, looked down upon. Yeah, they basically they were like, we need to keep the royal bloodline pure, so only look we how can... that worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so on the one hand, I don't like in the books. I can see how Danny might be like okay-ish with it, but like I don't know if John would be cool with that. Yeah, it's just kind of like oh, uh... but yeah. So and then episode two, you get at the very end as well. John, like episode two, you have everyone basically having their moments of like, oh shit, this is the end. You have like Sansa with Theon, you have Arya with Gendry, you have the the best like best fireside gathering of Jaime, Brienne, Tyrion, Davos, yeah, uh, great. Tormund and Podrick, and it's just like, oh my god. And the we'll talk about more about all right, we'll talk about the deaths and who didn't die in the third episode because we'll come back to that specific I was sure, like, group of people. Everyone in that room was gonna die. Exactly. Like, we'll come back to it. So like. Uh, John tells Danny he's Aegon Targaryen. And it's like not even important in the next episode, but it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, John, your timing, you know, is as good as always. But which is understandable. Like the whole time he's been basically avoiding her because he's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And then, because he can't lie either. He's, he's, for better or for worse, it's like no matter what, he's got Targaryen blood. He's Leona's son. He, just like he, what he said to Theon, even though Theon is like Greyjoy, he is also a Stark. He is also the son of Eddard Stark because that's how he was raised. It's not like who you were born from. It's who you were raised by and who really made you the person you are. Eddard Stark's honor and nobility most reflected John over any of his other children because John kept true to that. The only other one actually was Rob, but that got him killed. Yeah. John, though, obviously also died, but came back. He, he stuck to it for better or for worse even like when cersei's like hey you should not take a side and he's like i already did I, and it's like why'd you lie why didn't you lie to her it's like because i that's not who am i if i did that what kind of person would i be would i be the person everyone looks to me for if i do that i am betraying everything i stand for everything i've done 
and he he is still the like the son of Eddard Stark in terms of like his character, his personality, which is honestly the most important thing. And also like everyone's uh, part of me is also like uh, he's more of a king of the north than he'd ever be a king of the Westeros, like king of Westeros, just because he's of the north. He's not of Westeros. He saw King's Landing and he's like, who would want to live here? <laughs> And I'm yeah, like, who would like, want? Who would want to live here either? I, fuck, I I just tell Cersei it's cool. Just blow that fucking place up. Everyone's disgusting anyway. Just let them all die. <laughs> I mean, I guess fucking Sansa wanted to live there when she was young and stupid. yeah, yeah. And now she's older and she's wiser and she's like, yo, fuck that place. Yeah. I I kind of love that at this point in the series, Sansa acts a lot like their mom used to. Well, no, Sansa, I mean, Sansa's the smartest one at this point. Like, she's probably, she could outsmart Cersei. Like, she knows how Cersei thinks. She could outsmart her at this point. Well, to be fair, Cersei is fucking stupid. <laughs> she has also made a lot of mistakes as well, but she's also really, I mean, like, she's like, honestly, had bad moments, but she's all, like, would someone stupid be able to destroy Baylor's Sept with all her enemies in it at once? I feel like the majority of the things she gets done work out by, like, dumb luck. I think it works just because, it, like, it's planned. Like, she she has good stuff behind it. The only thing that's her undoing is the fact that all of her actions will have consequences. And that can only... She will only last so long as that type of person. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she like, goes about doing things smart. Like, she can... She has brilliant plans, but her overall arc of, like, this is how I'm going to do things will eventually backfire on her, as it already had. Like, she pushed away Dorne. She pushed away, um... Well, that's what I mean, is, like... Highgarden and all this other stuff. She has a history of just making really reactionary decisions that don't play out well. Uh... Like you said, she pushed away the Dorn... Uh, no, wait. So, first, she tried to get close to the Dornish, literally just to anger the Tyrells, who were, the like, the only ones keeping the city afloat, basically. You're uh, thinking of the books. No, well... I mean, yes, but... But, uh, didn't... Like, the, the Tyrells came to King's Landing at the end of the... Battle of the Blackwater and like basically saved the city and like that's why like the Tyrells had to get clo- or the the Lannisters had to get close to the Tyrells for a while. Yeah. And and why they were gonna marry off. Um, well, it was all Tywin's plan, not like he he kept everything yeah. organized. Like that's why it's like, oh yeah, she's the most like Tywin. No, because Tywin <laughs> Tywin didn't have to worry about this bullshit. No, like Tywin <laughs> knew what he was doing. But one like one of the things that she did that i i still i'm just like why would you do that was like she gave the the church the ability to have its own army again. yeah that okay yeah that was really, that was which really, is why she even had to blow up the church in the first place well, she overestimated she's just no one expected those like they're just like oh it's a bunch of freaking poor people no one expects anything a bunch of poor people and it's like oh god the poor people have maces and they're crazy and they have four yeah, heads no, with stars on the them and they hate they hate whores and shit you know well that's the thing like literally all her advisors like when she told them like yeah, like, that's how we'll take care of the crime problem. We'll just have the church take care of it, or whatever. And literally all of her advisors were like, uh, 
we could do that, but that would be a really bad idea because do you not remember the last time the church had an army and it literally took like, what was it, decades of war to, to stop their having an army? Yeah. And, and look what happened. Like literally the same exact thing that happened before happened again. Like what her advisors told her was going to happen. That's why you don't give the church power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like literally that, that's what happened. So that's what I mean is like, it seems like for Cersei, everything works out just by like dumb luck, and that's the only reason why she's still the queen. Also, she just she makes a combination of really brilliant plans, but also really stupid ones as well. It's like a weird like kind of trial and error where she's like, okay, I think I'm done erring at this at this point now. <laughs> yeah. I think she's finished the errors, and it's just like, all right, now for the real shit. Anyway, so back to the actual episodes though. Um, overall I'd say just because there's not honestly too much to was there anything specific you wanted to talk about the first two episodes like any besides like I mean having the reunions was amazing I had been waiting a such a damn long I, I was honestly thinking maybe they'll even see each other in season 7 or something but it didn't happen like you had Sansa seeing Bran and Arya but you didn't have Bran and Arya seeing Jon and I do remember, like, oh, Sansa's going to Winterfell, and when you see Sansa and Jon interact for the first time, you realize it's the first time in the whole series, but you don't even think about it, because it's already, like, you know they know each other, you know they love each other, because they're, they're family, and having them together is just so heartwarming, especially after everything, they both just, like, Sansa literally had a terrible time with Ramsay being raped, and tortured and all this other shit and then john has been fighting all these fights lost the person he loved the most and was literally killed like i don't know how anything is worse than I, being killed i <laughs> then, did love that when when he and Arya were coming back together and she was like asking him all these questions she's like how'd you survive getting stabbed in the heart and he's like I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, shit. And, like, it's like, you love seeing Sansa and Jon together. And then you thought about it, and you're like, oh, shit. Seeing Bran and Jon and Arya and Jon, when they actually did see each other before, and they did interact and all this stuff, and their relationship was even bigger. That's even bigger, too. And the funniest part is, if you really think about it, Jon and Arya only interacted in their reunion so far in the first three episodes yeah kind of well kind of because john's been like off doing like a bunch of extra like planning for the battle shit mostly yeah and now that that's done i want to see okay we'll talk about uh, after all right okay okay so yeah uh anything else for the first episodes though uh the two scenes that i really enjoyed that stood out to me like we already mentioned the the scene where everyone's like sitting around a fire drinking together it, and, Patrick's everyone, song like, was people. really beautiful and that was re- like, a really beautiful really sweet uh, song going from uh, like yeah Theon Sansa Arya Gendry Missandei uh, yeah. Grit I, Grey Worm and everything oh god the scene where Brienne gets knighted by by Jamie. her real it, the, the a true smile that was like fuck yeah I, I forgot what it's like to smile like that <laughs> yeah and like i just i love tormund is like trying so hard to impress her the whole night by like just drinking a shit ton and he like he's clapping the hardest uh, like for when she gets knighted like that i love that 
Um, yeah, Tor- Tormund's a very uh, yeah, he's he's great. He's great. and it's it's interesting because you're like, who's Brienne gonna go with? Like, it's that whole. It's terrible because you're also thinking about relationships the whole time. You're like, oh, you're, for like seasons, you're like, Arya and Kendra are totally gonna get together, but you don't think about it too much because you're like, oh, they're kids. They're gonna they're gonna grow up and blah blah. And by the end of this, it's been so fucking long in the show and in real life. You're like oh they're really old now holy shit like they could just oh they are okay cool all right this that this happened this happened y'all it's crazy it's crazy also also you can kind of keep in mind that like the world that it's supposed to be in is like a medieval ish world where like at least in our history like you were an old man if you got to be like 30 like you were probably a grandfather by 30 so yeah things things were pretty fast yeah and having yeah that was really great and then um with brienne you're like all right is there more of like a very comrad camaraderie admiration relationship with her and jamie or is it something more and is it enough that he would like love her over cersei or something like that or is it just like, yo, she actually does like Tormund. A, a man's never just looked at her as who she is like that and just been like, holy shit, I love you. <laughs> it's just like, I, like, I <laughs> like the whole time. Like when he came to Winterfell. What, is it, the big woman like the, still here? Yeah, like that was the first thing he said. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was great. Which honestly, that was so that was so great. You're just like, oh, there's my friends. And then Tormund's just like, hey. And yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. But oh my god, it's it's so great. And then we we learned a lot about giant's milk and the magic it can do. Uh, the, we learned that Bran just scares the shit. I think that is still the best fucking, the best fucking meme was uh, where Dwight. It's like uh, they they compared Bran to like Dwight in the office, or no Angela in the office. And you have Dwight just standing there, and Angela's like right behind him, and Dwight's like, oh fuck, and it's like where'd you come from? <laughs> And Brett's just always doing that. He's just there, like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm waiting for a friend. Like, he's yeah. out there when John comes back. He's out there when Sam comes out to talk to him. He's out there when Jamie gets there. And it's just funny when Jamie gets there. Because you're just kind of like, oh! And he's like, oh! And Brent's like, hey! Just, yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh, that was that was so fucking good. And that was another season uh, scene I liked from... I think it was, like, the beginning of the second one where, like, Jamie is taken in front of um, Danny Danny and everyone. And it was, like, the first time you realize, like, oh, yeah, he's called the Kingslayer because he killed her father. She He's the reason why she and her brother were, like, exiled. Yep. So, yeah, she might for, have It was some, for a good cause. It was, but like that—that's why she might have some bad blood against Jamie, and why he may not actually be safe being there. Yeah, but, and he, she was like pretty. She was like probably like I'm gonna probably kill him, and then everyone convinced. Like literally everyone but her was like, "Let's kill Jamie." She was the yeah. only one that you. Re- she was basically like, "I want to kill him," and if it wasn't for Brienne starting it, and then she's like, "Sansa, we got to make sure he's alive," and John's like, straight up. It's the living or the dead. I don't really care about some old dude dying, uh, yeah. who deserved it anyway. Like, yeah. And then whole thing with Bran, and he's just like the things we do for love. Yeah. And then you're it. like, oh, it's like, it's like, oh shit! Did Bran just hold a grudge? 
And uh, the best part is no one got it except Jamie because no, he didn't say anything either. And he's like, why don't you tell anybody uh, what will happen after? And then Bran's just like, what makes you think something's going to happen after? Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god, he's just so, so terrible. Bran, you dog, you. Yeah. But okay, so... Overall, I would say those two episodes were great. It's just, it was it was so hard knowing what was coming. And you're just kind of like, you're enjoying it. But at the same time, you just want it to be like three weeks later or two weeks later or one week later. You, you just want the episode you've been waiting for for years, if any, for years, honestly. And it comes. And there's a lot of things that happened that you just don't expect. There's certain characters I'm sure we both expected were going to die, and they did die. And then there was a lot of characters that maybe we didn't expect to die, and they died. And then there were characters that were like, oh, they're totally going to die, and then they didn't die, and you're just kind of scratching your head like, huh. And a lot of people are like, oh, not many people died, but they did. Like, we lost, I want to say, eight characters in this episode, which is the most we've ever lost besides when... Cersei murdered everyone at Baylor's Sept. Yeah. And not all of them were, like, the, like, A-tier... Like, in terms of not, of like, uh, interest, but more in terms of how main they are in the story. Like, do they have their own chapters and stuff like that, if they were in the books and everything. And it's not that many main characters. There's a couple that are, like, high up there, but they're not, like, the, the characters that are in it. Um, actually, I'll just... I'll name them off in, I guess, order of death. Um, Alpha Dothraki guy, basically the leader of the Dothraki, or it seems like the toughest one. He gets got first when they rush in there. Uh, like all the Dothraki. Now some lived. So you just see him fucking haul ass out of there. They're like, I'm getting out, motherfucker. I'm gone. See ya. <laughs> uh, and then one of the, I would say one of the th- three saddest, personally for me, Dolores Ed. That was, like, it was like watching Gran and Pip dial over again. Because um, you just... The Night's Watch is just dying. Like, there's, at the end of this, the men that have guarded the realms of men are almost wiped out. Except for, so far, we know for sure, two are left. And it's John and Sam. And then, next, we lost... Um, th- Okay, before I continue, I want to say there were three characters that I've always been like, at this point, if they die, I riot. Which I honestly thought two out of three of them were going to die, and the two that didn't die were the ones I thought would die, and the one I didn't think would die did die. And I was like, motherfuckers, Ghost didn't die, and Davos didn't die, but they killed... Yeah. They killed her. They took her from me, James. They took everyone's favorite, I want this to be my daughter. They took Leon and Mormont. Oh, God, and they yeah. Her. Yeah, that uh, was... Oh, I mean, it was so badass the way she died, but everyone's yeah, like... I mean, I watched the like, reaction really cool, of like people cheering like, when she died, but I'm just like, because what she did, but I'm just like still like, fuck, no, no. <laughs> Dude, I was literally expecting when that giant bashed through the wall, like, or, or through the door, I thought it was literally just going to like overhand smashed down on her and like oh that would no that would have been that would have been like overkill jelly. i would have just i would have i don't even know what i would have done i'm not even sure but yeah that was she her dying was just so sad and then after that it was beric dondarian 
and that was one of the big ones for me too just because of how like i I can't believe how long he actually did survive he got stabbed like a dozen he had a mission he had a goddamn mission and he, he fulfilled his purpose but that's honestly why i thought it was so tragic especially like after just everything like i just thought too much about it i think like uh this guy sir died and came back so many times that his some of his memories are gone part of his personality and his self are gone and he's just like this almost a shadow but it's almost like you feel bad because you're like maybe this guy deserves to have a life again and his whole purpose is not even to have all his purpose isn't to live or have a life his purpose is to just have someone else survive and it's just in a way it's very tragic heroic but very tragic and it was just sad watching him die and it was also very sad because one of the best themes in the show like i love the stark theme it's very it's a very sorrowful song but like the roller red the red god stannis theme has always been one of the coolest like it sounds like the bravest thing where it's like i'm not gonna do it because it sounds terrible doing it but you you get what i'm saying like people know what it is and it's always sounded so mighty it sounds like the mightiest shit ever in the show and when beric is dying and he's got like his hands on the wall stretched out like kind of either staying up or just holding the whites you can't even tell literally just holding the whites back you hear the music going but it's like almost like a track it's a tragic it's a mighty tragicness and it's so heart wrenching because i'm just like oh my god i can't deal with this and yeah when he died i was just like fuck i didn't expect to care that much about Beric dying over especially like other characters dolores i knew he was gonna die like everyone knew dolores was gonna die which is the worst part of it but it's still like those two like those three uh Beric, dolores said liana dying was just fuck dude that was honestly the saddest for me and then you get to so that's four so far and then um who else i'm trying to think making sure i got every single person in it um did tormund die no he didn't die no I thought uh, when because for sure the other ones that died were Jorah, Theon, and Melisandre. But I'm like, there was one more death. I just can't remember who it was. I feel like I feel like there was one more death. Um, oh, and I remember who it was. It's like no one would honestly have noticed, which is also kind of like, oh, I guess. But it's still like I'm always really big on the North, so I was kind of just like, ah, oh, dang, she didn't even get a scene where she died. But uh, Alice Karstark, I'm pretty sure died. So she was the other redheaded girl. She was like one of the, the like from one of the houses that betrayed the Starks. And then uh, John's like her and the little Umber Lord. He's like, rise, you're back with us. Like, I'm not going to punish you guys for what your family did. And so you see her and all like studded out in armor too. Like her and Liana honestly looked, I'm like, I always... Because everyone's always like, ah, oh, shit, I hate the female armor and everything in video games. It's always too skimpy and bullshit. But her and Liana's armor is, like, so true northern armor. It looks so fucking badass and awesome. And she was, like, full archer. Because, like, she was with the Ironborn and Theon. And they were basically all doing archery. And you don't see her die, but, like, at a certain point, Theon's the last one left. So you're just assuming she's dead as well. And then... Theon dies, 
basically gaining full redemption, get out of jail, not get out of jail free. He earned it. Like he, if you, people think about it and they're like, I hate Theon. He, Theon's terrible. And it's like, he actually really only did shitty shit in one season out of eight seasons. Like he saved Brandon the first season. He fucked up every, he killed Sir Roderick. He killed those innocent boys and he, uh, conquered Winterfell in the second season. That was the big fuck up for him. Third season, he gets tortured and then realizes what the mistake he made and who his allegiance really should have belonged to. Fourth season, he's just like a puppet. He's just so fucked. It's understandable why he is the way he is. Same with season five. But it's like, yeah, he kind of fucks Sansa over. But it's after everything he went through, it's like understandable a little bit. But he still conquers that and saves her when it counts, really. So you got this guy that's like, I have to now make things right with my biological family which is his sister and then with his like personal family from his to the people that he grew up with and his, he came uh, into his family adoptive which is, family yeah and he finally makes it right with defending brand and actually like he gets you can see he came back full ironborn like he's fucking doing all the crazy moves and shit it's basically it seems like everything he was honestly probably trained by sir roderick in like before when he was growing up because he wasn't yeah. really trained by the ironborn he was trained no, in winterfell he was, he was too young before he was uh i mean even coming back you just like went straight to like doing ironborn shit he didn't actually learn anything in terms of combat for them so everything he was the way he was fighting that was all probably from like sir roderick and the northern like the winterfell guards and stuff that taught him which is crazy and yeah he went out fighting the night king died doing it defending Bran. Yeah, like, literally to his last breath, he was, like, defending Bran. Yeah. I love that. And then that was number six. Number seven was Jorah Mormont, who died defending Danny to his very last breath, and he went full fucking ham on it. But he, like, I was, th- those are the two big ones that I expected to die were Theon and Jorah. Like, those were the ones I was like, all right, I'm expecting these and then Barrack, I was half expecting. Like, I'm like, maybe Barrack. And then the rest, I was like, I don't know. We'll see. And then I had forgotten Melisandre. Because at the end, then, the last one is Melisandre, where she's like, my purpose is served. So she drops her necklace and walks out into the wind, basically, and just yeah, kind of dies. I was confused by that. I, I assumed that she's just a lot older than she looks and that the necklace was like keeping her alive she is probably one to two hundred years old okay Uh, like i think she's actually that old i forget how old she is is actually but it's supposed to be like something ridiculous not that long but i i honestly think it's like between one to two hundred years longer than a person is normally supposed to live yeah especially that thing because she was like super crone like uh she was really really old she Uh, basically dusted yeah, and it's like that they brought. That was with another thing with the music is they brought back the Stannis Lord of the Lord of Light music again, but it was a very much not even like it. There's no mightiness in it. It was a very just. Um, it was a very soft, sorrowful tone compared to like uh, Barracks. because it's like her just kind of saying, "I'm done. I've done what I needed to do, but it's time for me to go." Just because my mission is complete, the the night is dark and full of terrors is no longer, and I don't need to do anything else anymore. Plus, 
I promised something to Davos, like, after what I've done, it's just, it's time to be done. And, like, especially how old she was, it's like, there's, she, she's, she was just done, which is... This. I think it was basically, like, like she said for Beric Dun- Dondarrion, like, he had a purpose. Yeah, that was she, hers. She yeah. had a purpose, she completed her purpose, she doesn't need to live anymore. Yeah, and her, her, honestly, her biggest, per- her, her, I would say her big three purposes were probably bring John back uh defend winterfell and then the biggest one was tell Arya what she needed to hear and then also of course the night king and all the dead died which you know yeah that kind of happened yeah that was like i don't want to say anticlimactic because it was epic it's just like I don't know. I wasn't expecting the White Walkers to work on, like, Dracula rules, where you kill, like, the first one and you kill all of them. Because, like, I don't want to say it made the winning easy, because it sure shit didn't. Like, people were in peril the whole time. It just was like, if if that's literally all it takes to take out all of the White Walkers, why was the Night King even there? Because he was cocky. I mean, look at when Danny yeah. shot Dragonfire at him. He's like, hey, you haven't seen my final four. Yeah, I did. I do kind of get that. that like, I, I, I got the impression that the Night King is just so old and skilled and powerful that he wasn't, he didn't even consider that he could be killed. Yeah, basically. I mean, like, I'll, I'll, I feel like I want to save it for a little bit later, but there's like two people he feared that you could tell i mean you could tell yeah yeah you could tell there's only two people he was uneasy and feared and his whole thing was just like avoid one and kill the other <laughs> um and <sighs> do i want to talk about it now no i'll talk about it later so i think the crazy like well let's address the easy thing like how did you feel about the cinematography like the the light and the dark of the, the i thought it was I thought I was crazy. Like, I thought I was just... I was watching it on my uh, computer, so I, I thought maybe there was just, like, the lighting on my computer was off. But I think no, everyone like, thought that until they started talking to each other about that, and they went, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, and, like, I get that they were fighting at night, because, you know, the Night King and all that stuff, but I don't know. It just was really hard to tell what was happening a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it, I, I could tell most of it, it was just every now and again, it felt like there was, I mean, I was like, oh, it must be supposed to be this way, because you're not supposed to see, because it's like horror, so I, I don't really know, but for the most part, I mean, for me, I had my lights off completely, I had all my shades down in my bedroom, so like, everything was complete darkness, the only thing I could see was my, my, uh, cup for beer, which I, okay. I will say really fast, everyone, I drank a, Gang, I believe, the King in the North Imperial Stout, 11%, 22 ounce, which was very, Ooh, probably the strongest beer I've ever had, because I don't, usually I'm like, okay, I've had 10% beers, or 10.4%, but never 11%, so that was interesting, and it was, I, I think it lasted three glasses, and then throughout the whole episode, I think I had like a little bit left at the end of it, and I just chugged it, I was like, I can't believe what I watched. But, uh, <laughs> it was a good time. I saved it. I, I have all these different actual Game of Thrones beers, and I, th- I think I still have the 
the the Dragon Queen beer and then the for the throne beer. And then I have the Johnny Walker bourbon scotch, I think. I think it was bourbon whiskey or bourbon whiskey, I forget, but the White Walker one. And then I have a Game of Thrones wine as well. So I'm like good for the next three episodes. Anyway, though. Uh, oh, actually, I almost forgot there was one more death of someone that uh, 99.9, 99.8% of viewers were probably did not notice, which was the unnamed soldier. That was actually, I, I felt really bad for that because after, so the whole thing was some, somebody posted a pic, these pictures of this one guy that they started notice they they've noticed he was in multiple episodes throughout multiple seasons from seasons five through eight and looking at those pictures makes you like i think for most that saw it made them think about oh fuck this is just the standard foot soldier but look at what he's been through holy shit so it starts off with him in season five and he's in Stannis. He's one of the banner. He's one of the Baratheon soldiers. And you see him like in a blanket, shivering in the cold. And it's like the, this is the same actor through all of through four seasons. And uh, it's like this big bearded guy. I mean, like he's got a really big beard, bigger than Tormund's, and uh, or at least long. I once I guess longer. Yeah, longer than Tormund's. And he survives. The battle, the first battle of Winterfell with Stannis versus Ramsay, where Stannis loses, and you're like, "How the fuck did he get out?" But you see him again in the Battle of the Bastards, fighting for Jon in Northern armor, in like Stark armor and shit, and you're like, "Oh snap, he's now with Jon," and you see him the third time in the he's the third person to call Jon King in the North after uh, Galbert Glover or Robert Glover and. Willis Manderley. Uh, that was such a good scene. Yeah, so he's one of them. He's the third guy to say it. So he's there. The fourth time you see him is in the next season, where like I think either Bran or when Bran comes uh, to Winterfell, he's there. And then you see him in the fifth. The fifth picture you see him in is season eight, and you see him like getting ready in this the previous episode, like getting everything ready for the battle. And so. He made it through all of that shit. And there's actually a close-up of him when he gets turned into a white when the Night King brings the second wave back up. And you're just like, fuck. Which, that was also, like, an insane scene. That that was so tragic, though. I was like, he made it through all of that, and then he died. I was like, damn, that is... that, that, That was actually sad. I felt really bad about that. And... I guess onto the characters that we all thought would die or expected a certain of them to die because that's just what we came to expect and that they didn't. And I think the biggest shock was that they didn't. It's like we wouldn't have been shocked if Brienne died or Jamie died or Podrick died or Tormund died or Davos died. Like anyone that was in that room basically or Gendry or yeah, basically those ones or Gendry. Dude, um, even just Sam. Or yeah, even Sam. Like, it, it would have been expected to see them die or maybe like Masande or Gilly. Just because like Sam's not a fighter really at all. And he, I, yeah. I don't like to body shame or anything, but he's not the fittest of people either. I feel like he couldn't like really run that well. 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the, the kills he's made that then was a crossbow with range, and then the White Walker was, like, surprised from the back. So, like, w- in terms of, like, a, f- a full-on battle, like, he's not the best equipped, but he survived. Like, you saw the way he was fighting. It wasn't the best, but he was like, I am not going to die. I have something to fight for, which is crazy. And all of them survived, and you're just kind of, like, that's what people were, like, surprised. or like, I expected, like at least Brienne or Tormund or Brienne or Jamie for sure, or Davos or Gentry and Pod, but all of them survived. And I don't know if people complained about that specifically or that just death in general, or just were shocked by it. I won't say that I'm it complaining. Was just that it, did, it didn't feel like what we've expected out of the Game of Thrones world. It, feel, it felt unrealistic given the amount of danger they were in. In almost a way, the episode felt, slightly i won't say completely like it was slightly anticlimactic almost but that's like that's how that's certain people feel i only feel that yet. partially but not all the way just because it's like it a lot of it's still it, it's so well done and just the way it was done and the shocks that were put into it because it's like the things that didn't happen were the thing like the things that shocked me were the things i expected that i really wanted didn't happen or like the people that i expected to die didn't die and those were actual shocks and it's like oh they they you didn't have the shocking deaths and it's like no those deaths wouldn't have shocked you because you expected that already the shock is that they didn't die and at the same time too it's they look at what each of those characters have been through davos survived blackwater being shot out of a ship by wildfire Brienne survived all the bullshit she had to endure with Jamie, like almost being attacked by all the shitty Bolton men and then fighting to defend Sansa and going to River Run and everything else and fighting the Hound. The Hound survived Brienne um, and the shit he had to deal with when he was a child with his brother. Podrick survived everything despite being Podrick. Uh, Gendry survived in the belly of the beast after almost being sacrificed to a, great, a red god. Tormund survived being north of the wall survived the battle of castle black and survived hard home and survived going north with john again and survived god knows what else uh like jamie we already know what james survived. like everyone's gone through some shit and it's just like you know maybe they deserve to live because they fought so hard to get there and they fought in that battle like you saw the way they were all fighting also gray worm as well like they were fighting to not die like they were drastically killing themselves to not die it was crazy how hard they were fighting and how tired they probably were like the exhaustion they were probably well, feeling. yeah like d- just the look on everyone's faces when like john was like running up at the night king with his sword and the night king just turns and he does the thing he did at hard home where he just starts to slowly lift his hands up and you're like, you know what's what he's doing. Oh yeah, he's raising all the dead that like literally just died, and like, John sees it happening, and he's like, oh fuck, I need to get to the Night King now. It doesn't get to him before all the, like the dead people get in his way, but then like, everyone else in the castle too was like, they just like stopped and watched all of their like dead comrades just like get up and just add to the amount of people they had to kill, or had to fight. And everyone was just like, oh my god, there's no end. Yeah. That was the look on everyone's face. And the crazy part about all of it, too, is like, uh, 
Well, actually, no, I still want to save it. <laughs> How did you feel about the dragon fights? Like, uh, I... Part of it felt like a, a waste, almost, a little bit, just because we're waiting, because the giant battle is happening, and you're just like, I need to get back, I need to see what's happening, because even though the battle was crazy and big, like, only, like, the first part had everyone that was on the front lines fighting. After that, they're just in the background. Like, you don't really see Jamie, Brienne, and the rest of them until, like, John's running through, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're here. <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> you're just so focused on John and Danny. You're so focused on what's happening in the Godswood. You're so focused on Arya and the Hound and Beric, and then like uh, Sansa and the Crips with Tyrion and shit. Like everyone that's holding the front area is just like uh, still going. Which I understand why they took it away from that scene, just because. I guess they say, like, you know, if you stick to that battle so long, then it just gets boring, I guess. And unless someone dies, nothing's really happening besides them just trying to survive. And so there's nothing more to really tell of that action going on besides, like, going back every now and again. But I'd say overall, though, the dragon fight itself was... It was interesting just because the Night King's, like, delaying them. It's like, yo, I'll just keep them with me. It gives more time to the dead to kill all the living... And then uh, once I have my fun, I'll just go and take care of what I need to do. Except until, like, <laughs> John's just like, yo, fuck this, goes after him with Rhaegon. And uh, Danny saves him at the same time, though, because, like, the undead dragon uh, Viseron is, like, it's, I guess almost winning. But then Dragon and Danny knock him off, and then <laughs> the dragon fire happens, and he's like, no, not happening. Bless you. Excuse me. Thank you. But in terms of the cinematography and cinematography for that, like the moonlight and everything else, the sky that was like really beautiful, but it was just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. If anything, would you say, I guess the person that you feel like was taken a lot away from like a lot of it was just John out of everyone? Yeah. Cause you like have everyone fighting the front lines. So they're doing something. And then like, the ones that can't fight they're doing their thing of hiding and not dying because that's also a thing and then danny whole thing is like without that dragon she's not really anything in terms of like in combat like she's kind of useless very useless and like it's funny when jorah saves her when she picks up the obsidian uh sword that's like the first time you've seen her ever hold like a weapon i'm pretty sure and you're just like, huh, okay. And he's still using her, using himself as a shield to shield her. So all the dead are mainly going for him, which allows her to get her shots in, it feels like. But John goes through, like, all that shit, and he just he gets the least amount done, it feels like, almost. Besides, like, initially catching the Night King in the beginning, but... Yeah. yeah. Like... I liked the dragon fights. I thought it was cool. I like on the one hand, I thought it was really cool that the Night King was able to like just basically make a, a cloud uh, system to just like cover the sky and give him some like cover. But on the other hand, it's still that it just added to like the difficulty of telling what was going on in the episode. I guess just so, like the characters. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. It's like it was cool. It made it hard to tell what was going on, but that was, like, the point of it. So, eh. 
yeah. I did like the the touch that during the dragon fight, the the zombie dragon got like a chunk of its neck ripped off or whatever. Yeah. So then for like the rest of the episode, like every time it was like breathing fire, it would like also like someone like come out the side of the neck too. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was crazy too. Yeah, it was awesome. But okay, so we get to, we get to the whole thing where the Night King wants to destroy Bran because Bran represents humanity's like past and present and everything. Like it's all the memories, everything of what it stands for, but also... Basically like, I mean, that's, the closest you can get to, like, li- our living history. Yeah. And he's also the key to destroying him because he's the only one that knows kind of, like, the Night King's history as well. And so he's like, this is target number one, take him out, and you kind of cut off, you, you take out the brain, almost. You take out everyone's memory, and then you have just a bunch of memoryless people fighting, but they don't have, like, a, they're fighting an unknown enemy instead of, like, an enemy they sort of understand. And then... I think, uh, like, I could be wrong, but this is my th- my own personal feelings towards it, is then you have the person that the Night King fears that will actually be able to defeat him in the open one-on-one battle. In terms of full combat, the person that could actually vanquish him, which is Jon. And the only reason I say that is because the Night King just kind of watches him since Hardhome. In Hard Home, when John defeats the first, like, besides Sam killing a White Walker, John defeats, like, a White Walker in full actual combat. Sam was lucky because the White Walker is like, I don't give a fuck about you. You're just nothing. Whereas this one's like, hey, I'm going to kill you, but John's making it difficult. And then when he goes for the killing blow, John shows him something that he wasn't expecting, which is Valyrian still. And he's like, what the fuck? And he was so shocked. He's still like, John still had the skill to just, like, kill him. And the Night King's watching, and he's like, huh, oh, he just killed something that shouldn't die. We should watch out for this guy. And then what does John do? He goes far north, kills another White Walker, just in open hand-to-hand combat, and does it again. And then it almost felt like John could have just kept, like, when uh, the Night King has them surrounded at the lake, the ice lake. If John kept going, he, he just would have gotten over there and just killed him too over there. I actually don't think that at this point, just because of how ridiculous that would have been. But, like, in terms of skill, the Night King is really, really good. But I think at this point, John's skills are very, very, very good. And he always seems to, like, get through, which maybe someone would say plot armor or whatever, but he's just a skilled fighter. So then you have John chasing after this guy after he chased Danny away. And he's like, I'm gonna fucking fight you and kill you. And then a king's like, oh, we could do this fight. Or I could not risk that at all and just have my undead fight you instead. And I just say, fuck that, get the hell out and go kill the crippled boy. So he does that and then raises all the dead, which then John has to deal with. But it doesn't end there. Like, the Night King still has control over the dragon, pretty much, right? It looked like it, yeah. Yeah, so that means that I felt like, because it, Viserion beat, started, once John was in the castle, Viserion targeted John. Along was it with targeting the, him, or is, it looked like he was just trying to do, like, as much damage as possible? In the beginning, yes, but once he saw John, he just only went after John. Like, he was straight up, like, shooting at John after, like, 
Like once John, he, John start, tried to run, it just noticed him the whole time, and it just kept going for John. Also, if you notice too, a lot of the undead went after John, and John only stopped them by closing that gate. Like they were going straight for him. Which necessarily doesn't mean it could also just be coincidence that they're like, oh, he's living, let's just go for him. But I personally think that it was just like, stop this guy no matter what. Do not let this guy get to where he needs to be because he, if we can hold him off long enough to kill Bran, then they lose. Which then brings in the crazy twist that no one expected out of straight out of the darkness, which is Arya killing the Night King. I mean, first off, Melisandre kind of, like, gave it away halfway through the episode, but I kind of see that, like, it makes well, yeah. sense that it would be Arya, because, I mean, otherwise, why bother having her go across the sea and, like, learn how to be, like, a wicked awesome, like, basically magic assassin? That is very true. It's just, I think... Cause like for me, that, it's just like I, I wanted, I, I just wanted John to do it because it's like I invested so much yeah. in John, and I see like he's become my favorite. So it's just like you, you root for that person to be the hero you want them to be, but then he can't I even th- get to it. So then like when Arya does, when Arya does it, you're just like holy shit. Maybe that's why, it, like the final conclusion with the Night King seems so anticlimactic to a bunch of people is that it's. Instead of getting, like, a really long, drawn-out, satisfying, like, one-on-one fight between yep, someone like Yeah, that's exactly. That like is John exactly. King, you get, like, it makes sense, but you, uh, like, that how Arya could kill it really quickly with, like, an assassin strike or whatever. But that's all you get is, like, one quick stab and he's dead. Right, where the uh, children put the obsidian in in the first place, too. Yeah, that was that was a good... Uh... It was very poetic. Wait, which uh, some people did say that I didn't uh, think about, really. They're like, you know, he was made by the children, and he was unmade by children. Yeah, that makes in sense. In a way, because Bran, like, put himself out there, and then Arya killed him. They're like the young kids still, technically. So it's like, children brought him in, and they brought him out, in, in a sense. But, but also, I, I liked that throughout the episode, as Arya was like trying to make her way through Winterfell without being, like, noticed. She was basically having to, like, rely on her assassin training of, like, make absolutely no sound while moving, move as quick as the wind, and, you know, all the things that the Faceless Men taught her, and that basically happened in, like, the last scene with the Night King where she literally just, like, whooshes past everything, like, without even being seen and just kind of, like, appears in the air. Like, that was badass, and it also made sense, because that's what her training taught her to do. Yeah. And it, it was still, it was still, like, I want to say it wasn't satisfying. Like, when you see it, you're just like, holy shit. Like, I mean, you, like, since no, season like, one, you knew this girl was awesome. Like, you knew she was badass. She was like, like I want to be I a knight. Not, I want to do all this stuff. Like, huh? I will not lie. The scene when it happened, like she's as she's like flying through the air, and the Night King like grabs her by the throat. I literally, my hands shot to my face, and I was like, "No!" Oh no! Yeah, and, there was there was like and, this weird, odd, just like, "Oh shit, she's fucking de- how now? She, how are they gonna stop it?" And then yeah, and she then, just once you she see the dagger drop, cool, yeah, like she drops the dagger, catches it with the other hand, stabs him, and I literally like shot my fists up in the air and shouted like, "Woo!" Like, dude i was that's... so silent i was just staring i was just like holy shit because i'm just like john 
it, it was it was like that much of that just being i was so invested that i just it, it just made me brain dead i just it was like oh you killed my brain i'm just kind of <laughs> done here and then afterwards like all the dead die and then melisandre's like i'm out and then davos is like you dead and then she's like i am dead see it wind and then he's like oh okay i guess Psycho but, was dead the whole time nah not, not really <laughs> but everything just it all happened and then you had like everyone in the crypt but everyone survived oh, there was just yeah, i would say there's one i have one full complaint one full complaint that i just felt robbed once again uh of ghost how so they uh they show him for like two seconds and then you're like all right the wolf's gone oh, he might be dead and you're like oh god he's probably where, where'd he go and then you just see him in the, the fucking season four promo and you're like where did he even go and dude i i cracked up because i thought of i thought of the best uh explanation of what happened to ghost so, like, when the Dothraki go, and it's, like, the waves of the dead, and, like, the giants uh, hit them, I bet Ghost just kind of is at the side of the dead. Like, he's kind of running towards the side of them. He just sees one dead guy, and he just, like, bites his arm off, and then just keeps running, <laughs> just with the arm, and then just disappears. He's like, I'm, I'm actually not going to stay here and fight later. I just got your arm, bitch, later. That's all. Like, that's... I think it would be funny... Only be if they ever did that in a deleted scene, just because it's kind of how Ghost brought the dead in in the beginning. Think about it. In the very first oh, season, yeah. when John and Sam and them, the Ghost finds the hand, and then after that, they find like the dead come in the, the bodies. Yeah, it would have been poetically perfect to see Ghost get an undead's hand and just run away with it, and you're just like, huh, that's perfect. I mean, I would have been more satisfied with that than just like, hey, look, the the wolf made a angry noise, and you're like, yeah, the wolf's here, and it's gone, and you're just like, fuck you guys. Because then, it's like, Ghost is there, and then you see the Dothraki all die, and you're just wondering, like, what happened to the wolf, though? And they could have done so many different things with Ghost, but they just don't. Which, I will say, like, I guess let's just move right into uh, episode four thoughts and just like thoughts to the rest like well i greatly now expect they have to deal with... hmm? so, uh, now they got to deal with cersei yeah that's that's yeah, what they're cersei. moving on to yeah and i want to see the ghost john the john and ghost show again i want i want that dynamic back where here's this young bastard from the north with his faithful direwolf charging into battle and doing something. We didn't get that in the Battle of Bastards. We didn't get that in the Battle of Winterfell. We only got that during Watchers on the Wall a little bit in that. Actually, that's really it. it. Like, they meet up again in Season 4. They hang out in Battle of the Bastards. Or, Battle of Winter, uh, Battle of uh, Watchers on the Wall. And then, like, Ghost is with them throughout, like, Seasons 1 and 2 to a point of 2, I guess. I, I just want to see those two together again. Especially, like, I mean... Rhaegon is still, like, everyone's like, is the other dragon dead? And it's like, no, Rhaegon's still alive. You would have seen something more if the dragon was dead. And, obviously, like, you see in the promo, there's, like, holes in his wing, and he's, like, very scarred and stuff, but maybe that dragon needs a little bit of a breather, but also, John isn't needed in the area anymore as much. He's, I would say, 
he's better suited now on the ground and that especially like with what comes next what is the bigger thing is he the targaryen or is he the stark and i want to see the stark come out again just because i want to see him with the wolf not with the dragon as much as it's fun to see him on the dragon i just want to see him alongside ghost running into battle just like doing their thing yeah see i don't know i just feel like the dragons would be like the really easy solution for taking out cersei because i mean king's landing's biggest uh, i guess asset is its huge wall around it like it's really hard to uh, to attack king's landing as we've seen previously in the series because literally the whole city has a huge wall around it so there's only like a few points of entry well who said it's going to be at king's landing where else would Cersei go? Didn't you notice? Well, Cersei, uh, they're both on ships. Huh? Oh, I didn't watch the next episode's preview. Oh, they're both on ships. Oh. Why? Cersei and the Golden... Uh, like, Cersei and Euron are on a ship, and then you see Danny on a ship with the dragons flying above. Okay. Where would they go? I, I'll give you one hint. I'll give you one guess. Well, I know... Three seconds. What's her name? Uh, Theon's Dragonstone. sister. Dragonstone? Why would Cersei go to Dragonstone? Because it's Danny's place of power, and Danny would be probably going back there now that Winterfell is saved. And it's closer, it's strategically closer to King's Landing. True. I don't know. I just don't feel like there's any strategic, good strategic reason for Cersei to move anywhere. Because she said she'd be taking back. Uh, she'd be taking back all the places that they lost while Danny's up there fighting. So, what is one of the main places? Oh, her seat of power and the Targaryen seat of power, which it would be Dragonstone. But also, honestly, like, if you think about it this way, like, Danny wouldn't want to just hit them from one side. She'd want to have, like, probably the North and the Vale and whoever else come from the land and then have others maybe, uh... Um, the her Greyjoys, what's left of Yara's three little ships or whatever, come from the sea, and then Danny comes from the air, from the sea, and all this other shit. Especially with like Euron's fleet, they have to take care of that too. There's like an ant, they get to figure out how what to do about Euron's fleet. And the whole thing though is the danger about the dragons too. Though is at this point they should know since at, during like the spoils of war episode when she texts the Targaryen caravan, the uh, the uh, scorpions, the scorpion siege engines, the giant arrows that they oh, can use to fight yeah. the dragons. Yeah, they still have yeah, scorpions. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I, so I they guess, can mount those on King's Landing. They can mount those on the ships yeah. and hit them from those. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. We really like the whole thing is like uh, in the promo you see like they're burning the dead, which. Not much of a point now that the white the White Walkers are gone, but the I think it's more of like honoring the dead. It's like time to burn them, and we also don't have enough graves for that, and that's gonna take forever. Just burn them; it's faster. Uh, and you see, like Danny, like celebrating. They're like feasting in Winterfell, and everyone's like, "Yeah, who knows?" I guess like everyone's just surviving, and Danny's just like, "We did it." And then she's like, let's go fuck Cersei. And everyone's like, oh, I don't know about that. 
like they, it's not what they show in the trailer but it's like you could see like okay the dead are gone now where were we oh yeah i don't like you right. so all of the what sansa asked what about the north that's going to come into play they're taking out cersei in general though that's going to come into play because it's like let's say they everyone's still banded together and was fine and they defeat cersei what happens what happens to the north that is a big question and it's like would da- like danny said she would let the Greyjoys on iron islands be like their own thing she should probably if it's, it's her own best interest to let the north be its own thing it would be the smart decision to make after everything they've been through too but she's a targaryen and she wants to be like it's all mine you know so I think we'll have John telling more people. I, th- I think at least Sansa and Arya will find out who he is. And then there'll be more discussion brought up between Danny and John about that stuff. And I'm sure, like, hopefully more characters will be in on it and find out more. Because the reactions, too, would be priceless. Uh, and then... Yeah, we'll that f- could be a really convenient way to unite the North with the, like... Uh... Well, Davos mentioned it before. He mentioned it in the first episode where he's like, "You need, we need a way to have the North trust her. If you want that, like she has to earn it. But also, there, here's a, a high up woman and here's a high up man. You guys see what can work with this. Which, it still could. It's just depending on how they feel about it. And also still like the outcome of this whole fucking war and everything else that might happen. But it also begs in another question of, like, back when Beric saved Arya and then his purpose was served, Melisandre's purpose was served. John, like, everyone thought, I thought, John's reason to be brought back was to kill the Night King, to stop the dead. That wasn't why he was brought back. What's the reason now? And, of course, the main reason would be, like, to rule. Another reason could be to get get uh get something in danny for the heir to the next uh, generation that could be it too and he'd be like challenge accepted think you can't have a baby we'll see about that also uh, but true. Who, or it could be the throwout option i think is he either has to protect someone or kill someone so or i guess that's four different things so those are the four options i see that are possible for him which at the end of it all, either way, for any of those, the only one that seems like he would die would be from saving someone, maybe. Once he completes his purpose, would he then cease to be? Which I really don't want to be a thing, because, like, if you think about it, it's like, it's, he would have been the best leader either way. Like, Sansa's a good leader, but she's not as compassionate as John, And Danny is a good leader, but she's the most deadly i would say towards people that don't agree with her whereas john is the most forgiving but mightiest at the same time where he's like i'll see you in the field of battle and i'll kill you but at the same time you didn't do anything wrong you're okay and he he still does the full stark honor of i'll kill you myself if it comes to it like he did to like uh janos slint on the wall or anyone else that basically disobeyed and did something wrong but like the car starts in the umbers he like forgave him and did things that obviously sansa would not have done and danny probably definitely would not have done he is the best choice as a 
leader full of like love and might i would say it's just though that like i don't know it's it's hard to say what would happen in this situation too though i don't know but that's what i think part of me is just like also i don't want to see him in king's landing ruling there because that just seems like a, a punishment to him yeah, like it's know. it's a disgusting place and he does he's like why would a million people want to live in one small congested place like he, he his true love is more for winterfell if anything but also I, th- I almost forgot like the point i was trying to get to as well was like all sansa wanted was to be a queen all she wanted to rule the iron throne because she'd marry joffrey and all this stuff she just wanted to rule all danny wanted was to rule all John wanted was, it seemed like, honestly, all he wanted was his a place to belong. Because he always felt like an outsider. He didn't know who his mom was. He didn't know what his purpose was. And he didn't want the leadership. He didn't want to be king. He didn't want to do any of these things. Which is the best reason why anyone should be these things. Uh, but he's gone through so much of an adventure of, like, he, he hasn't had, like, a real, like, this is my goal. Or, like, this is what I want to do with my life. It was more like, I'm going to the Night's Watch to be a hero because I have nothing here. And then it got to, actually, it sucks here, sort of. But also, the dead are coming. So then he goes, the whole time is, I have to stop the dead. But I also, like, have to help the the wall, have to stop the wildlings, and then save the wildlings. And it's all this stuff, and none of it is, besides surviving, like, none of it's really to his own personal interest. Uh, Besides, like egret and then she gets taken from him anyway so he dies not even really for himself but to save people and then like he takes winterfell back not really for himself but like for his family and for the north and then he becomes king for the north and he gives it up for the north and then he fights against the dead for everyone whereas everyone else is like i want a crown i want to rule i don't want you to rule that's my big argument of just kind of, I just, ah, you, he just deserves so much more than to just die fulfilling a purpose. Like, that's just so depressing in a way. I don't, I just, I, I doubt it. You just wanted to be happy, you know? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It's, ah, I just, uh, he's my favorite character. He just has been since the minute that, that you see like the dead hand. I was like the I, I guess no the the minute the gate opened up when they're going north that was the most exciting thing I, I like the dragons were cool but I was more excited about them going to the north and that's when I realized like John was my favorite it was like in terms of favorites it was like John then Rob then uh, I don't know everyone else in in the post Eddard Stark age yeah yeah that's it that's a that's all I got. That sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, but yeah, we'll see what happens in the next few episodes. Um, Klee Game Bowl. We still have Klee Game Bowl, I think. I think it'll be a three-way fight uh, versus the Mountain. I think it would be like the Hound with also Brienne and Tormund. I just yeah. think it would make sense. I don't, th- And then we'll have that. We'll have Bronn going after Jaime and Tyrion. And I think three outcomes could possibly happen from that. Outcome one 
is Braun has a change of heart, and also they pay him more, so he just switches sides. Outcome two, he tries to fight them, and then he's always beaten Jamie. Jamie could beat him and kill him, or option three, I think that if he does betray them and try to kill them, he will actually be instead killed, killed by the other guy who he's messed with and laughed at. He will be killed by Podrick. Eh, I don't know about that. I mean... Well, Podrick would choose Tyrion or Brienne over Bronn. He would. I just feel like Bronn is a much more skilled fighter than... uh, What's his name again? Podrick? Yeah. Except, uh, did we see Bronn survive the Horde of the Undead? That's fair. And he... And uh, the whole thing was Bronn... Like, when they were at the Riverlands, Bronn surprised uh, Podrick, and he's just like, gotcha again, and again, and they're still, like, training and doing all this other stuff, and so now at this point, Podrick has been taught by both Bronn and Brienne, and he's gotten good enough to hold his own where he's teaching other men, and he survived against the dead. Like, I think that would be the thing where Bronn would underestimate him, and then Podrick would actually beat him. And it would just be, like, really sad, but that's what would happen. But that's only if uh, Bronn actually would kill them. Who knows what will actually happen, though. Uh, But, yeah, those two. Euron, maybe Yara will fight him, but I kind of... I don't know, I'm like, I I, I need Jon to fight someone. I need Jon to fight some big bad. I don't think it would be the mountain. I think Jon could fight, like, either, I guess, like, Harry Strickland, the the leader of the Golden Company, or Euron. I'm like, Jon needs to to kill somebody. Jon needs to have that fight. He needs to fight somebody. Somebody somebody (laughs) fight this man. Like, you know. I don't know. And then, of course, we'll have, like, Jamie or Sansa, uh, Jamie or Arya kill uh cersei which someone's like what if it's sansa and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about and it's like i saw in the promo she was doing archery and i'm like well yeah probably because after everything she's like i shouldn't be that defenseless again i should learn how to defend myself so actually it'd still be interesting it'd be poetic if sansa killed cersei that would be really really cool but i think it'll either be, it'll be either jamie or Arya, and then shocker it could be sansa that would be interesting too but yeah that's it that's all i got that's it. Yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. For the last time. And it's over two hours. Anything else? Anything else you got to say? Are we good? Nah, I, I got work to do still. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. We, like I said, we had a lot of the Game of Thrones talk, but um, we'll hopefully, we'll see if we can record after the next episode. Uh, I do want to make sure we do at least the first two, the next two before the very last one. The last one will be very much standalone if anything, uh, but we're going to try to do at least, uh, at least a Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones themed recording. We might not be delving into like news and other things, but for sure we at least, if we have any time to just dedicate it to these episodes, cause they're big to us and they're big to everyone and they're like the best show to me right now. So, uh, if you want to follow us or email us, email us at sutrasidetalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow it at Sutra Side Talk. You can follow James individually at InvaderJim124. You can follow me at GoGoComzilla. And hopefully we will see you guys next time or you guys will listen to us next time. Uh, Subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on iTunes or on Google Music. I think that's what Google Play Music. 
But yeah, uh, see you guys next week.